0: Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Whoa, guys, everybody, stand still. Don't move, Richard. What? Don't move. All this right. place is it's rigged. This place is rigged. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to breathe in. Let me just... I'm going to... I have a bag of sand here that I'm going to swap out in place of the microphone. I'm going to hold the microphone. This is the Mount Rushmore of booby traps. Michael, by, the way, when,
1: by the way, Jeff, if you spoke into a, uh, a bag, bag of sand... sand. Wouldn't really make too much difference to the quality nope, of the episode. Totally, nope.
0: Totally. Totally equivalent, the same uh, big big bag of nothing that we're gonna offer up. Who's whose idea was this? Who who do we have to blame for this booby trap episode? Uh
2: this is totally my fault. And okay. I believe that um it came about because um Emily and I had been uh, you know, in this quarantine, you know, just going through lists of movies and series of movies and we came upon um, the Mission Impossible series of movies. Oh, yeah. And um, we watched the first one, which is incredible. Just great. Mission Impossible yeah. 1 is incredible. Then we watched Mission Impossible 2, which is one of the worst films we've ever seen. It's just so awful. It's like, it's you know, a John Woo film. And it's just, I, I got angry because the name of like the pathogen that they were trying to release at the end of the movie or whatever it was called it was just like, it was named after the wrong, like, Olympic uh, – or the, the wrong Greek, like, terror. It was just like – it was so tough. Everything was like – it was just bad. Everything was bad. Yeah. Like, it got my my hackles up. And then we watched uh, number three and recently number four. And, like, all of these movies – number three was great with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I think that that was the one that led, us, led me to be like, oh, that's a good trap. And I was like, ooh, booby traps. And it's like,
0: okay, this is <laughs> –
2: now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. So thank you. Um, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Oh yeah, uh, was the the word booby has not, um, it, it's not fared very well. It used, it's it was bird, right? And it's like a booby prize was like,
1: the like the the joke prize. Yeah, booby a, a booby is the fool basically.
0: Is the fool? Okay, you're a boob. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, all right michael you chose it uh richard why don't you just step into this nice (laughs) step forward into this nice uh mount rushmore uh, oh yeah sure what what could be all
1: right so uh, my first choice is i think maybe an obvious one but it's it's every once in a while you you gotta do the obvious ones and it is the McAllister house from home alone
2: also oh, wow. on my list. Also on my list is my first. Uh, is my first choice too. Yeah, I kind of wow. figured
1: we sort of had to. This was the, the, uh, elephant in the room. If we didn't pick it, people would have been screaming at us about why didn't we do it. Yeah. So, here it is. There's like about a, <laughs> there are about ten thousand movie traps in, set by Kevin McAllister, in the, in the course of the finale of the film. Each one of them more potentially deadly than the next, and. And where he gets some of the products to do some of this stuff is just beyond me. like the flamethrower yeah that lights like lights its head on fire I mean how did yeah. how did he, did he remember how tall he was exactly so he could get it right at the top <laughs> of his head? If he'd screwed up by a couple inches, suddenly he's got this flame burning right into his face, and his face is literally melting like wax. That's fine too. Which would have been, you know... <laughs> we're taking it from PG to PG-13, but other than that, I think it's just, just fine.
2: I do like... all, will accept that flamethrower. I do appreciate that everything seemed um, feasible within the spirit of this house. You know, I do like the micro-machines as the... Uh, as something to slip on, or the broken Christmas ornaments, or the cans of paint. Uh... But once you get to, like, the the two burning implements, I don't know what that thing is that he puts around the doorknob.
1: I don't either. I was just going to bring that up. It's some sort of – is that some sort of metalwork thing? Does his dad do horseshoeing on the side? That's what, sort of what it
2: looks like. <laughs> the, those, those two implements seem like the, the, the most dangerous. Okay, uh, you know, a nine-year-old kid could have a BB gun or maybe his older brother has a BB gun. All totally feasible. Maybe they even set that up, uh, like, in the – first 10 minutes of the movie you know something like that but uh what i appreciated was these booby traps in this like kid friendly it's like this you know very uh bugs bunny roadrunner kid friendly violence sort of thing right um uh, that they're able to disguise it as that you know and then the guy's head gets burned his hand gets fried and
1: i do i do wonder how did kevin clean up the mess before his parents and the rest of the family got home because it seems like getting tar off of a wooden floor, for example, would be more than a couple of hour project for a nine year old. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, you're the you're the you're the homeowner of the group. Yeah, you're yeah, the one that's... who probably has the most experience with with home projects. Does yeah. that seem off?
0: Well the nine year old kids that I hire uh, are usually yes. pretty good. Uh that the logic that you're applying and questioning to this, it makes me, makes me excited because it does imply that the, um, the complexity of a booby trap and the ability of a little kid to come up with it is, is what you're taking issue right here with. But the fact is if it's simple, it isn't fun, right? But if it's kind of complicated um, or it hides its complication very nicely, that makes it something worth, um, uh discussing and that that's the reason why both you guys chose it because uh
1: yeah i think it was really entertaining i think there is some sort of like in between where it can't be such a basic thing that it's just uh-huh. super obvious but yeah. at the same time if it's too rube goldberg in its construction then it just feels unrealistic so mm-hmm. as yeah. michael said i think with a couple of exceptions everything that happens to the wet bandits is something that You know, you can see you can create a a trap that if they did this, then this
2: would happen. Yeah, I think I I think what gets to me is the assumptions that he makes, especially with somehow he has to get them to the point where they are removing their shoes so they can come through the side window and land double feet first on the, you know, uh, the broken uh, Christmas ornaments. That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, like like you have you have to have like really, you know, scripted it out like this is, you know, it's almost something out of Saw. This is the pain that you're going to receive in the exact order. And, um, you know, you have to have had your shoes off at some point. So you have to have gone through this point. So he's really leading them down a real dire path.
1: Yeah, that would have been a hell of a reveal in Saw if it turned out it was a grown up. uh, (laughs) Macaulay Culkin was the one who was behind it
0: all. As as uh. As brutal as these, uh, the pain inflicted could be. It seems like the booby trap, at least in entertainment, is kind of the domain of the person who's not necessarily strong but clever, and that's what's kind of excited, exciting about them as devices is that um, it, the, the ingenuity that that goes into them. And I don't know if uh, we're going to discuss Wiley e. Coyote in this episode. It seems like it's requisite. Um, but it seems like his failure to, to to accomplish anything with any of his traps is is his downfall in every episode. All right, well, uh, Manfredi, what's? uh sorry, Michael, what's your first or your second choice?
2: Well, I'm gonna stay within the realm of, um, kids. John. But John I'm, Hughes. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of skew a little bit more into a fantasy, and it's um the myriad of booby traps that are um set through the pirate caves leading up to the giant pirate ship in um the goonies
0: oh wow cool
2: which which gave us the the phrase of uh uh booby traps as well as data saying booty traps that's what i said booty traps which is just a a delightful um yeah malapropism of um of that word but it's the almost the opposite of the home alone traps i think you just you just referenced it jeff in that these these are fantasy traps these are like these you know giant boulders that are held up and have been held up for 100 years 85 years however long this pirate you know uh you know however long one-eyed Willie has set these traps for they've mm-hmm. lasted for x amount of time you know one of them sprung and killed chester Copperpot, and the rest of them um are, you know some of them are uh, booby traps in the sense of like a trip wire tripping and, uh, you know, things falling away and, a you know, a big uh, a channel of water rushing down. But, you know, and then there's like the, um, the do you know how to play a keyboard trap, which doesn't feel quite like a booby trap, just more like a test. Yeah. Right. And I think that booby traps often f- fall into like the test trap. Either you trip something in your – getting squished or if you don't pass if you don't if you're not clever enough to solve the riddle then it turns into a booby trap it's like a it's you know it's like a video game riddle thingamajig you know the yeah you know we let off the show talking about indiana jones and the golden idol and that doesn't seem like a booby trap that just seems like he put a bag of sand where a 15 pound idol should have been like that's just stupid <laughs> his I
0: inability to guess yeah. what the uh, the mineral content of that uh, uh, and volume of the idol
2: <laughs> did you did assume it was just like plated that it was hollow in there like a like an easter yeah. egg I don't, yeah, or, like, like, or like an easter bunny, easter John bunny. An easter bunny. I'm going you, you, to
1: Dude, yeah, I'm yeah.
2: Gonna,
1: I'm gonna jump in here because that is my second choice oh, I'm going to defend this one because okay,
0: I, I, I need to say I have never seen. I started watching The Goonies as a 50-year-old. Could not finish it. Could not finish the movie, and have never seen Home Alone. So I may be. um
1: oh. Can I we may get be a substitute six. judge on this one?
2: Yeah. No, Richard. 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 Jeff is yeah. in the dark. We can invite him over and just go to town on everything that we've ever ever known from our childhood movies. Awesome. No. Go ahead I... with uh, Indiana.
1: I think this is a booby trap. I mean, it's almost the pure definition of something is it's going to yeah. give you something that you want, and you're going to recklessly go for it without thinking about the consequences, and then a giant boulder is going to come and crush you. That's, yeah. That's pretty much the definition. And there's several other booby traps. There's like the aren't there the blow darts that are going mm-hmm. off right before there? Mm-hmm. So the whole cave is a, a series of booby traps that he has to get through.
2: And the I, shaft of light that's triggered.
1: I think, so I think that grabbing the, the idol and understanding that I need to replace with this with something of equal weight. Obviously he's done his homework on this, which is not something you generally get to do with a booby trap. Mm. So it was in that, in, in that context is interesting to me that he knew sort of everything as it was happening, like what was going to happen.
2: Here's, here's a question for you. Uh, now that we talk through this, and I will defend this as well, I, I was never not defending it as a booby trap, by the way. It was I, it was more along the lines of um, – I'm not quite sure what. But my thought now is it doesn't matter what weight was replaced. It was always going to trigger. It could have been ex- the exact same weight, and the person that designed this thing was always just going to kill whoever tried to steal it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. I mean so it's maybe, possible.
2: mhm
1: so maybe it's a, maybe it's a, uh, it's a, a death trap set up as a booby trap. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
2: I thought about it. Like, you... you know? This, this person was the, whoever, whoever, who, whoever created the trap in the first place was obviously willing to sacrifice this golden idol as well. Like they were willing to just, this thing's just going to get crushed by whoever. Yeah. Who cares? Right, yeah. Eh, let's kill them all. It doesn't matter. Let's roll the ball down and trigger all the, eh, well, no one's going to get out of it. So if we're going to lose this idol, we're going to lose this person, good, whatever. This thing sucked.
1: It's a little bit of mutually assured destruction.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you think the booby trap reveals something about the person who is either, who either evades it or falls victim? In this case, it's our introduction to Indiana Jones.
1: I don't know. Have you seen this movie, Jeff? just checking no i think I, i i think that it's in this case i mean it is our introduction and it shows that he's throughout the whole process of the scene and kind of getting through the various booby traps that are out there i think it shows that he is yes he's a person of action but he's also a thinker so he's not necessarily somebody who is just going to rely on his strength or size or Physical prowess to be able to accomplish what he needs to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and the skeletons that litter the uh, entombment are evidence that he's he's a little bit better than those guys.
1: Yeah, so he's yeah. he's above the median, so to speak. Yeah,
0: and Bellick could go in there, but he just waits for Indiana Jones to get it. So he could he's he's chosen to not.
1: Literally the him. smartest, literally the smartest man in the room. Actually, if we think about yeah.
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think in terms of uh, bringing it back to the Goonies, I, I think that they ultimately f- almost fall for every trap, or they get through every trap, um, not necessarily by any sense of intelligence, but I think it's you know at the very end, um, Mikey, the um, Sean Sean, Ast- yeah, the Sean Astin, yeah, the Sean character, gets through it via like a, a sense of empathy that like they go there and they try to steal as many jewels and everything as they want, but they don't take the gold that's right in front of one eyed Willie's, you know, um corpse, not out of a sense of, oh, this is gonna be trapped, but out of a sense of that's his let's respect what what got us to this point. And of course the fratellis come in and spring the trap themselves and yada yada yada. It's um I think that does reveal when you talk about revealing something about the, the individual, it does reveal who this person, this Mikey kid is, is that he's ultimately there for, you know, quote, the right reasons to save his thing, not to take what's not more than what he needs, you know?
0: Yeah, that that seems to, uh, as an artifact hunter for uh, prosperity and for museums and uh, for the sake of learning and knowledge and, and and history jones is better than those people who he uh is being chased by or fighting and in the end in um, the last crusade it's he goes through a series of traps as he does in um in the first film but it's very spiritual and it seems to it tests his spiritual knowledge and his uh Not just his wisdom, but I think his character, and it shows how much character he has that those around him don't. So that's what I think is so cool about the booby trap has used in in fiction is how much it reveals about the protagonist or whoever gets gets caught up in it. Way to bring it down, Hopkins. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So we are at our halftime. And I'm going to implore you, the audience, to go back and find the uh, find the secret tricks that we put back in our past episodes. Uh, depending on which ones you download, it might uh, reinstall your operating system, it mm-hmm. might reconfigure your autoexec.bat file um, on your <laughs> shell of your MS-DOS, and... It might if you go if you go way back to earlier episodes. It's gonna sound at least like the speakers blew out in your iPod or iPhone or whatever because we recorded those on a Speak and Spell back in the early late early, early days. So you could also um, trap us into a booby exchange with you if you're a very knowledgeable person about a certain topic. Uh, let us know on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages that we have what topic you are smart about, and we'd love to talk to you about those topics. Past suggestors have trapped us into conversations in which we looked like complete boobs. You can be that uh,
2: next person to do that.
0: All right. Uh, is it Winfield?
2: Is it your yeah. third? Okay.
1: It's Michael's third.
2: My third. Um, there's... Uh, I had a, a lot of thought about this one because I don't know if it worked, but... At least he set a trap. It is when the character of Dutch in the movie Predator sets up this elaborate booby trap to catch the predator. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't quite work out his plan, but ultimately he gets him in the end.
1: This is and, also on. It's also on my list, by the way. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Ah, oh,
2: yeah. Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Cutting it, cutting it close. You know, cutting it short tonight. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, at some point. Uh, Dutch realizes that he physically can't go up against the Predator. Uh, He's getting his ass kicked, and he's trying to crawl away, and he's covered in mud. Then he realizes that he becomes camouflaged by the mud signature, the heat signature. And so he starts to develop his plan, and how is he going to catch this unstoppable killing machine? And and a very just classic Arnold movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, movie scene where he's just like, going about building something and using his muscles to haul huge logs up into the air with the vines as ropes and things that just, you know, can never exist. And he sets up <laughs> knives and he sets up, you know, these like explosive um, leaves, I guess, I don't know, explosive leaves. I just, I can't believe that's a thing. Uh, or like, and he builds a bow to the point where he traps the tries to trap the predator right and le- and lead him through this thing and i don't think the original thing was to have the um, was to have that big log fall on him i think it was to have these knives fall on him via this counterweight and then of course he ends up getting him with the counterweight
1: in the end the thing i appreciate about this
2: yeah go for it.
1: is the fact that the predator decides because Dutch is a worthy foe to take off his mask and his weapons and fight him one-on-one man to beast, I guess, whatever mm-hmm. predator predator is. And Dutch's response to this is to flatten him like the Monty Python 20-ton <laughs> uh, weight coming down on him, like a coward. <laughs> right? Well, like There's yeah. only one person, there's only one creature of honor here, and it's not Dutch.
2: I don't know, because right at the end, the Predator 2 has his own booby trap because he's just about killed, and he starts pressing the buttons on his little wrist communicator, and it starts counting down, and he just sets off like a thermonuclear device, and that doesn't seem too honorable.
1: Well, that's after, but that's after he got screwed over. It's like in wrestling. This <laughs> is like in wrestling. Anything,
2: any, any, anything, anything after the bell is a count towards whether it, it happened well, uh, in the ring or not.
1: Well, no, it's like if the bad guy brings a title belt in to use it, because mm-hmm. the referee's been knocked unconscious, and the good guy ducks. He's well within his rights to pick up the title belt and wallop the guy with it. Mm. He's only cheating because the other guy cheated first. Turn about fair play here.
2: Has has uh has Jeff seen Predator? Saw it.
1: Yeah. Okay, good.
2: It. Okay. All right. All right.
0: I I entered a film in the i I'm from Kansas City, but the for one year Kansas had a film festival called the Can K A N film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> it was either Jim Thomas or John Thomas. One of the Thomas brothers who are the right, the co-writers on this spoke. He was the keynote speaker at the canned film festival. And it was just about the time that the hero's journey was kind of getting popular, like Hollywood screenwriter kind of uh, knowledge, you know, like obviously like George Lucas used it and stuff like that. But, I have never been more wowed by a keynote speaker at anything than this guy who seemed like in in my mind he's got a british accent but he didn't have a british accent. He was just like so articulate and he was like a professor of literature and neither one of these guys has written jack shit really. I mean like uh John Thomas also wrote um Alien wait, Wild Wild West, Mission to Mars, Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, a tales from the crypt episode, but Jim Thomas is predator 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 the dance of the predator predator holiday special uh predator goes on a date
2: um
1: predator goes hawaiian
2: predator goes Hawaiian. Uh, it's, it's, I'd see that I'd see that one wait a second these these guys Pre- just, predator versus beetlejuice oh my goodness yeah
0: yeah Jason versus <laughs> Freddy versus roe versus Wade was predator um but oh my god the hero's journey the power of myth talking about the protean um dutch is this protean hero who he finally finds the talisman but it's not it's not a shield or a magical sword it's mud you know it's all this it's all this (laughs) hero's journey mythology stuff that this guy had in the speech and maybe he's just trying to just uh jam on the, um, the hoop of these idiots in Kansas. I I don't know what what he was thinking, but, but, uh, man, you would have thought he was William fucking Shakespeare. Um,
2: was was that scene where he covers himself in mud on the Mount Rushmore of mud? God, it's great.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) All right. Okay, cool. Uh,
0: men, Freddie, that was your choice too. Okay. Wow. Um, so what back, is your Back to point? Richard
2: for his fourth. Yeah.
1: yeah, my final choice. Sometimes a booby trap doesn't have to be that uh, complicated. I think we've discussed this. Sometimes you can get away with just doing it with raw power. And that's my last choice, is the uh, explosive woodland creatures from Caddyshack.
0: Oh, fun. <laughs> the Carl um, Speckler. It's
1: really that's crazy. really funny. All, all his favorite little woodland friends. You know, Mr. Squirrel, <laughs> and I mean, this is a booby trap. It's a booby trap that's set up for a, you know, a, a, a small animal who is able to ultimately outwit the groundskeeper. But I just love the I, Caddyshack's one of my favorite movies of all time, and just this idea of how much extra explosives he was willing to use to try and get rid of this damn gopher. Yeah, it's just fantastic.
0: <laughs> now, well, those are not tripped. Ultimately, there, it's a, it's a, a bomb, or it's an explosive that's triggered by him, right? The, right. The, yeah. The gopher doesn't trigger it.
1: The trap, yeah. The trap is he gets the gopher to get cozy with the woodland creature or oh, okay, interested yeah. in yeah. it, and then he's able yeah. to kablooey it.
0: Yeah, subterfuge uh, via sculpting clay
1: or yeah, it's C four or whatever C4. it is, plasticine <laughs> or whatever the hell it, it is. Was, yeah, what, I don't know. It's just, I just, just to me, I just love, I, I love the way they were able to, in the screenwriting, work this sort of very B plot, C plot sort of thing, yeah, and have it be suddenly tied into the resolution of the main picture, yeah, and how it all kind of like plays in together.
0: That's one thing that was wonderful about Caddyshack. It seemed to have every type of comedy working at the same time. Like the drug humor, uh physical comedy, slobs versus snobs, a class kind of comedy. Yeah, um,
1: vaudeville kind of insulty yeah. Rodney Dangerfield stuff. And then you oh, yeah. the, and then you've got the big sort of like action finale at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have this huge it, that thing almost to me, seemed too like a um, like they saw the first screening and the studio was like, "What the fuck? We, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make this broad, or we gotta do something. Let's let's put a gopher puppet in this and give this kind of a comedic through line. <laughs> so we'll ratchet up the tension there.
1: I believe I it think... was. I believe it was more. How can we get a Kenny Loggins song involved? Yeah. <laughs> and they went, "Well, maybe if a gopher was dancing to it. Yeah. That's, that's genius. That's get genius. More cocaine." forget
0: where it was, Kentucky or Arizona. I forget where they, they actually filmed the thing. But they blew some shit up, and they were not uh, they were not approved to blow some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the last day
2: on location
0: thing. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Winfield, what's your final choice?
2: Uh, my final choice is um, Antonio Prohias' Spy vs. Spy comic strips. Um, all of them. Since they were all somehow built around um, these spies laying these booby traps and tricks for each other and killing each other and blowing each other up or maiming each other or gray spy coming in and killing black and white spy. But these comic strips were always one of my favorite part of like reading MAD as a kid. I I wasn't one of those that got the MAD magazine like week after week. Yeah, but I had like a collection of um, some of their books. I had a collection of like mad books or uh, spy versus spy books, and I had a collection of um, I probably like the lighter side of, yeah. Or I, I the Don remember. Martin ones. Yeah, maybe a yeah. Don Martin ones. But every time you'd get like it, it was, it's amazing like that. This like stalwart had been involved or had been an aspect of like this this magazine, this goofy, Mm -hmm. you know, magazine aimed at kids that had like this, all this super deep, you know, cold war undertones and overtones to say the least. Um, I was reading about him and how he, he escaped Cuba in like 1960, like three days before, um, Fidel Castro, like overtook the newspapers. And then like later that year was (laughs) drawing basically like cold war jabs at kind of about Castro and um, the U.S. at the same time with Mad Magazine and did it for like 25, 30 years. Wow. But um, the Spy versus Spy, you know, they, they're always built on just some some form of trickery, some form of trap that I always just really loved. You know, a, a hand would be extended and it wasn't the real hand. And, you know, just the, the one-upmanship of this Nonsense um, spy duo. I always,
1: I always appreciated that whatever spy one would do the Nixon peace (laughs) sign thing (laughs) as his, as his form of of victory.
0: Was there a movie with Um, Tom Hardy and Chris Pine where I I thought it was almost like a spy versus spy the movie or something? Yeah, it was
1: with. They're both like trying to go after Reese Reese Witherspoon. They're both like attracted to her, so they're both spies, so they try to outspy each other to get her affection. Yeah. I don't think it was very good, but I didn't see it, so don't quote me on that.
2: Well that's a pretty cool choice. Uh, I never really watched I never really watched the mad T V spy versus spy bits. So yeah. I don't really remember if they were any good or if they were uh-huh. rehashed from from the original comic strips or if they were just mm-hmm. new outright. So
0: that seems like a weird thing for them to keep of of Mad magazine. The Spy versus Spy. Maybe just because it doesn't have Alfred E. Newman's yeah.
2: directly doofusy face. <laughs> Was he well that's a question. Was he in any of the Mad TV show? Was there like a know. hidden Alfred like there's hidden Mickeys in Disneyland? Was there a hidden Alfred E. Newman <laughs> in the back of every of one of the strips every week? I have, a huge I have gap to, to say somebody for, or other.
0: For some reason, Mad TV always felt like such a um and I've I've made this reference before to Duff Duff but you know how Treat is the one is the cheaper version of Spam. It, it seems like SNL's uh Spam um Mad TV was this uh cheaper somehow a cheaper meat uh g- jellied meat byproducts uh brick
1: it's- that uh, It was, ironically, it was the Cracked Magazine to Mad Magazine.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's so perfect.
0: The the funny face drink mix to the Kool-Aid of of, uh, Spy versus, or the Weiler's um, to the Kool-Aid of Spy versus Spy.
1: It was was a more more low-scale, low-rent version of Fridays, if you can imagine that.
0: Yeah. Uh, But SNL has had its quality, you know, changes throughout the years, but... uh,
2: yeah, cool. Well, you know, the best year for SNL was ever was whatever when you were 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever whatever year that was, that was the best uh-huh. one. So just just look at that year.
0: So guys, I'm just going to go with the ones that were very educational to me, very uh, um new to me, and I'm not going to go with the ones that I didn't see because <laughs> that just doesn't uh like it's good judging. I want to go with Spy versus Spy. <clears throat> The explosive woodland creatures, and I'm gonna go with um, Indiana Jones and Predator. Did I do that right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, four. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's four. All right, homies. Boy, this is we sprinted through this one. Yeah, we did. Great. All right Good for us.
1: Yeah, Good for it us. Was a, it was less of a marathon and more of a sprint. So yeah. you're welcome.
2: Yeah. Well, we saw we, the trap was sprung. We had to get out of there. <laughs> the, tr- the trap of getting, being stuck on here for like t- like two back-to-back uh, Zoom calls. There was no way we were going to go through a thing where we watched the countdown. and it's like you got eight minutes left. And you're like, oh my god, my god, yeah, god yeah, 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 we got oh, to get out of here and re-record. Such a drag. Yeah.
0: All right, this has yep. been the Mount Rushmore of Booby Traps. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. Michael.